Family, I'd like to speak to you about the parable of the Good Samaritan. I know I preached the sermon probably a good three, four years ago now. I think it was just perhaps a few, as Rod and Sharon, I think, here at the time. But I don't think everyone else here was here at that uh, uh, time. And uh, uh, just was convicted, really, to preach on this sermon again uh, today and to perhaps just bring a few more things to light, uh, which I uh, didn't preach last time. Well, we read, did we not, in uh, Luke's Gospel 9, 51 through to 37, really. Um, uh, and I believe this parable, really, concerning the Good Samaritan, really uh, teaches us two fundamental themes, I, I see. Some people think there's one, but I believe there's two clear themes. I, th- I, I feel sorry for people who do not see the Gospel and see the way of salvation in this. I, I really feel sorry for them um, because it's so clear, so evidently clear in this uh, wonderful parable. But also we see very clearly how Christ's disciples ought to live their lives. It's, very, it's a very clear theme that runs throughout this text. So I hope and pray with the Lord's help and the Holy Spirit's help uh, that uh, we can see these two themes, these two spiritual uh, truths running through this and and on a personal note I do think also we see from the Lord Jesus a master class also for us students in terms of evangelism here is a master class in evangelism in particular the Jews were wonderful at asking questions they asked they answered a question with a question didn't they <laughs> often and uh, we see this masterclass really in applying the word of God in a very personal way. So there's, there's, there's some, uh, some of that we can glean from as well. Well, I'm just going to take it take verse by verse and we pray that the Lord will speak to us. Well, verse 25 of Luke 10 says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, that is Christ, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life and so we see here to begin with there was this lawyer of course he would have been very familiar uh, being a lawyer with the law and the prophets in particular he would have uh, been an outstanding citizen it's very uh, it's very easy to associate and to to see that this lawyer was very well known in the community he stood up as as it were he stood up to be noticed by everyone. He wanted to make uh, people to, to see, uh, to, to, to show his fitness of heaven. So he stood up, made a bit of a show of it, and, uh, uh, and he, he wanted to show, really, of his qualifications, really, that he was, he was qualified to enter in because of his life, because of the way he lived his life. So he stood up uh, made this announcement, as it were, and it says he tempted him, the Lord Jesus Christ, said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It was almost a, a test question, really. It was a test question. His motives really were wanting to confirm his qualification to heaven, his qualification that he was already in God's kingdom, that he was already on the way, as it were. 
And so the question was a good one. It was a good question, albeit it was said with the wrong motives. You can have good questions. People can ask very good questions, but they, their motives can be off. And, and I think this was the case with a certain lawyer. Because remember the context here. He's talking to his disciples. Remember the context which we read. Verse 26 says, He said unto him, What is written... This is the Lord Jesus said unto him concerning eternal life. Uh, what is written in the law? How readest thou? So two, two questions the, the Lord uh, says to this uh, lawyer, this person who's no doubt very qualified in terms of the law. He, he had an understanding of the law and the prophets. Uh, how, what is written in the law, first of all, two questions, and how? How do you understand what is written in the law? And again, like I said, asking questions. The Lord Jesus was very effective, uh, being the perfect master, as it were. What and how? What is written in the law and how? Read us. How do you understand what is written in the law? How do you understand it? And uh, verse 27 says, the lawyer says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. He gives the perfect answer. It was 100% correct, Deuteronomy 6. Uh, it was the summary of the commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's with you in another way. When we think of that, that's the affection, by the way. Every minute of every day to be enveloped with, with the infection, affectionless with the Lord every day, every minute of every day. And your mind, your understanding, your imagination, everything got to do with that. Every minute of every day to love the Lord your God with, with your affection, with your hearts, to always have that in mind every single minute of every day, and your heart and your strength, so your substance, everything, the, the food and the nutrition that you'll get from that food, to give that, as it were, in the service of Lord, whether that's at home, whether that's in the Lord's service, to, to put that strength, as it were, like Gideon was thrashing out uh, the corn, like that, uh, to give that wholeheartedly, and also, not only to do so to God, but also your fellow man made in the image of God. To all men as well. To all men. And so, the, he gave the perfect answer. He gave the perfect answer. You see, what we must understand is when, when he said that, what he had in mind, and I, and I know my, my son-in-law won't, won't mind me saying this, Junior. Uh, he came from a very strict upbringing in Catholicism, and it, it's his testimony. If you speak to him, he was he was brought up uh, very much in the law and the prophets. And he would tell you when he read the law, when he read read the prophets, when he read the scriptures, and it talked about righteousness and it talked about holiness. He would look like a mirror. He would look at the law and he'd look at that and said, "That that's me." And he, he'll tell you this. You talk to him and he'll say, that was, that's me. I'm this righteous man. I'm this, 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 is, this is the type of life I'm living. 
And this was Junior for many years, by the way. He would say that. So when he looked at, at, at the law, it was like a mirror, because that's what the law is supposed to do. And, and he'd say, well, it's speaking of me. I'm observing all these things. I'm an outstanding citizen. I'm not. I'm not living in a, a way like all these other people. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing these things. And I'm, I'm respecting my parents and all good things. You see, but he looked in that and he said, I'm right with God, uh, as, as, as it were. But you see, in verse 28, uh, he said unto, unto him, the Lord Jesus says unto this lawyer, thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. This do and thou shalt live. You see, he answered right, this lawyer answered right. And remember, he's trying to make a show of this. He's trying to, 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 to tell everyone around him, I am qualified and I want everyone to know of my qualification of heaven. And the Lord Jesus just says those, those words, this do. And he, he knows for one, he knows that not even that day, not even not that hour, that he was able to keep that commandment. Because we all, we all fail that commandment. Every hour of every day, because we do not give the Lord God our affection, our mind, our imagination, our strength. And if you say you do, you're a liar. I'm sorry, you are a liar. That's, that's us, but by, by nature. And he knew that, he knew that, that he did not love the Lord God in terms of that he, he knew something of the law, but he did not, he, did, he could not. It's impossible for him to have loved the Lord God in that way. And it's very, very telling. It's very telling of the next question which he asks. It's almost, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a diverting question, isn't it? He tries to, the Lord, the Lord tests him with the, with the first commandment. And so he knows he has failed and everyone's watching. So what he does as he goes on to the second, <laughs> tries to justify himself by the second. So verse 29 says, and he, willing to justify himself, that's the lawyer, you see, he, know, he, he knew he couldn't argue with that. And so he then goes on to the neighbor side of things, to the second table of commandments, the horizontal commandments, as it were, and said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Because every, in other words, he's saying, he's done, Put, take, getting away from the first one and he's going on to the second and, he, and he's basically thinking all around him all around him are people who stay he's an outstanding citizen he's kind he's always giving to the temple service we've seen him throw in the money as, as it were we've seen him do all these things and, and so he's thinking well everyone's going to stand up for me here Everyone around me is going to stand up to me and think this person has, has always been such an outstanding citizen. Yes, he goes to the services. Yes, he does all these things. He does religious duties, you see. And so he says, he says, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, and in other words, a master class here, the Lord Jesus once again. Okay, you want to talk to me? You want to talk to me? You don't want to talk about the first commandment again? The first of the great commandments? Okay, I'll convince you by the second table of commandments. 
And the Lord Jesus answered, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So Jerusalem to Jericho, as many of you know, it's only a couple of miles, really, from Jerusalem on the mount down into Jericho. Jericho was uh, an oasis. It was beautiful. Rivers, canals, green palm trees. And those who traversed that journey from, from Jerusalem to Jericho and back off, there's lots of traffic. Um, when they were making their way down, whether it was priests or Levites, whether it was lawyers, perhaps many well-to-do people, many types of people would have made that journey. On their way down, they would have seen that, that oasis. They would have seen Jericho in their, in their sight. And Jericho, like I said, was beautiful. There was, there was much traffic between these two places. So it was a perfect place for ambush, wasn't it? Perfect for ambush in the hills and in, in, the, and in various different places to, to ambush people. And like I said, priests, Levites, lawyers, and no doubt many well-to-do people. Perhaps even him. He's made that journey many a time, would have uh, frequented that journey. Well this, well, this poor man that is described in this parable here was violently attacked. He was beaten up and he was robbed of all his possessions, everything that he had, he was robbed of them. He was stripped of his clothes and he was left half dead on the side of the roadside, wasn't he? to bake in the sun and to left, left for dead, as it were, in that hot Middle Eastern sun. And notice the Lord Jesus here, when he speaks of this parable, says a certain man, a single man. He didn't come in a group of people. It was just a man by himself, very dangerous. And Christ, in, and some of the other, when he speaks of some other things, he talks about groups of people, doesn't he? But now he's talking of a single man, in a very personal way. And this poor man left, was left by the side of the road uh, for dead, really. That's the scenario that the Lord Jesus sets before us. And verse 31 says, And by chance came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so we see this certain priest of course, uh, uh, he would have had much responsibilities up in Jerusalem. It is often said that the priests had their residence. This is, this is no secret that they had their residence in Jericho. And, uh, uh, and so there, there is an, a whole lot of truth to the story as well. The, the truths said in the story are truths which happened um, as well. And so the priest, we see it deliberately passed by not a, a Samaritan, not, not, not someone which he didn't want any dealings or business with. He passed by a fellow Jew. He f passed by one of his fellow people. And Christ does not tell us why he did that. Um, New Testament scholars will love to speculate on this point. And they, one school of thought is they say, well, because of contamination because uh, he was 
looked like he was dead. Well, they didn't want to go up, according to Old Testament laws, and contaminate themselves with a dead body. So it's got to do with contamination and purity. I'm not going to go into all the specifics. Another school of thought was uh, that uh, the robbers may be close by still. So they don't want to, he didn't want to jeopardize his own life and to be robbed. And, uh, but I, 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 I don't think it's either of those reasons. I think the text is very clear. And also for the learning of his disciples, it's also very clear I believe that the, 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 the priest didn't help his fellow Jew out of sheer inconvenience. Out of sheer inconvenience. Yes, he may have had appointments. Yes, he may have had many religious duties. But he just couldn't be bothered, as, as, as it were. He, he looked on him. He saw, well, this good man is going to need a lot of attention this man is going gonna, is gonna to take a lot of expense, many days, to sort this person out. I can't do that. He saw the, it's like seeing someone on the Lord's Day. They, they, they've got a, their donkey, their mules in a ditch, as it were. And then, oh, I'm not going to help that person out, as it were, on the Lord's Day. So it's the same, same mindset here. And so we see this poor man, as it were, left on the side of the road for dead half dead and he must have thought when he saw that priest he must have thought here is the man of the cloth as it were here's a man who's who's set aside for full time work in the lord's house and the lord's work and so surely he couldn't speak he was no now battered up he was beaten stripped he he couldn't he, he just could look at, at someone almost in his heart pleading and he saw the priest he thought a fellow Jew not only a Jew but also a priest surely he will come to my help surely he's commanded to to do that and we see here just walked on the other side of the road as it were and went on his his daily business and by the way by the way methinks that many priests are not in the way there are many priests who, who, say, who speak the good speak, but their lives show the complete opposite of what they say. Well, verse 32 says, And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by the other side. Well, this is encouraging. He did a bit more than the priest did. And you may be asking, you may be asking well, what, there was two people here that are in religious service. Well, it, it doesn't mean that they do the same thing, of course. Levites could have been very much in, been involved with practical matters in terms of the service. Um, so uh, they were both in full-time ministry, as it were, full-time service. Um, and, but this Levite, it would seem, was encouraging. And, and you, could, you could think, this poor man on the side of the road left half dead as it were he, he must have been thinking to himself well that priest must have been a bad egg as it were but surely surely the Levite will come to my rescue well surely surely this Levite will come and the Levite comes over the Levite looks on him and he sees his condition he sees the state that he's in 
He sees the flies, as it were, and the blood and the dirt. He sees the infection. He sees this man's quivering and baking in the sun. This man's state and condition is a horrific one. And he thinks to himself, he looks upon it, he does more than the priest did, and he looks upon it and thinks, whoa, that's a bad, that's a bad condition, that's a bad state. <laughs> There's no hope for this guy at, at all. You know, many, many professors of Christianity do that towards people. They look upon the tattoos, they look upon the purple hair, they look upon people who don't look like them, and they think there's no hope for that person. I just want to evangelize people who look and sound like me and of my own, my own class, as, as it were. That's who I want to evangelize. But you see the, the Levite, he sees him. Look at the state of him. Look, look at him. It's this, and, 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 and what the expense that I have to go through, the time and expense and the trouble I have to go through to, to help this person, it's, it's going to be huge. So he takes a look and thinks, nope, no way. And he carries on. He carries on his, uh, his duty. He carries on as it were. This man's beyond the pale. The time, the expense of helping is, is, is too far. And so both full-time churchmen abandon their fellow Jew. Both full-time churchmen. Verse 33, Christ really gets to the crux of the matter he says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Samaritan, stranger to the Jew, someone who was hated by the Jew. We know the Jews had a terrible prejudice against Samaritans. They had no dealings with them. To them, the thought of a good Samaritan was a dead Samaritan. They really didn't like them. To the zealous Jew, like the, 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 the lawyer, a good Samaritan was unthinkable. He wanted him out of sight, out of mind, as it were. They did not want to see one. They did not want to hear one. Out of sight, out of mind. But now a Jew's life is, is on the line here. A, a, a Jewish life. And like I said, I think the Lord Jesus, I think the Lord Jesus knew that this man perhaps had made that journey before. It could have been him. He, that could have been him. Maybe he had a few near, near misses. Who knows? Now a Jewish life is on the line. And Christ said, Christ said it was the Samaritan. It was the person who you despise. The person who you want out of sight, out of mind, as it were. The person who you want, don't want any dealings with at all. It was him, the stranger. It was him that had compassion. It was him who you despised that had compassion. It was the one whom you did not want any dealings with. And how did this Samaritan have compassion? Well, we see here the, the word compassion here is a very strong one. It really means that someone feels, has a, has, their heart feels so much that they, 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 they are pours out for them. Their heart feels so much that they are so poured out that they move. And many people use that word, like, I really feel bad for you. <laughs> I feel bad for you. Now, we hear it all the time, like on the news, oh, I feel bad for these people. Do they? 
Do they feel bad? There's a lot of people who feel bad, but they don't do anything about it. Or feel bad for this, help then, do something. You know, action is, is so much so much more. And this is the sense where this word compassion is talking about. It's not just feeling bad. It's, it's a heart that moves in the Lord's service to do something, as it were. And how did the Samaritan show compassion? Well, 34 and 35 says, And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And so this Samaritan, this stranger, as it were, he bound up his wounds. He saw the, the it was an open wound. And he bound it up. He got his hands dirty, as it were. He used, he used what he had. The, the great possessions that he had you think about the wine and, and the oil. He used at great cost what he had. You know, you would have thought cleaning out a wound, you would just use water. Maybe he didn't have water and the, the next closest thing was wine. And he had oil. And so he used the oil and the wine to clean out this man's wounds at great expense as it were and he sets him on his own his own donkey his own beast and he brings him to an inn and he takes care of him and so the Samaritan was greatly inconvenienced at great expense at the loss of his own pleasure by the way wine right throughout scripture is a it speaks about the fruit of the vine, speaks about pleasure. He used his own wine, not for him, but for poor needy sinner, for a poor needy person. Pours in the wine, pours in the oil, at the loss of it, his pleasure, at the, at, the, at the loss of his cost, at the loss of his time, as it were, at the loss of his health. He walks alongside the donkey, puts the, this poor man after doing everything he can, puts him on the donkey, takes him all the way to an inn, and this inn probably was an inn that he would he knew that would accept such a man, because lots of inns probably wouldn't accept such a man. You know, someone is bleeding and all these things. He knew this was a, an inn that would accept him, so he takes him to this to this inn, and he looks after him. He takes care of them. And it says in verse 35, he says in verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed. You, you know, we can so easily pass over this text, can't we? On the morrow, that Samaritan stayed overnight in the darkness. Let me ask a question, friends. Have you ever been, have you ever had to look after someone in, in, in the nighttime? when they're in pain. I, you know, I remember little Lydia Faith when she was up one night and Emily got up and I got up to tend to our little one. It's, it's not easy. You know, the crying, the, the, the hot sweats. This, this Samaritan was there with, 
putting a coal thing on his hands, tending to him, hearing the cries, comforting to him, all night, as it were, through the pain, through the anguish, helping him there. One, what, what a person this was, this good Samaritan. All night, looking after him. He went through anything at cost, at his own health, losing sleep, as it were, losing expense at his own loss of pleasure, everything. He did not, he did not hold anything back, as it were. And it says, doesn't it, in verse 35, and he took out two pence and gave them to the host. That was a great deal of money in those days. And he said unto him, take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. So he pays for, for his board, and he pays for all his future board as well, of this poor Jew. So he pays, and you think about that, this was not someone that had grazed himself. This was not something that was going to be gone in a day. This would take weeks and months, as it were, for this person to be set right again. This person would be there for weeks and months. It would be a great cost. And he says, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, he's on the mend now. He's healed. He's sorted now. But he needs to be taken care of. He needs to be looked after. And I'm going to pay you whatever it costs so that this man is fully restored and that he can, he can one day, he can one day return, as it were, with this newness of life. So, so we see here, we see here this wonderful compassion. He paid for everything. And then Christ turns to the self-righteous lawyer, this uh, particular Jew, and he says in verse 36, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell amongst thieves? It says which, which one of these, which one of these was neighbor? You want, you want, to, you, you want to convince yourself by the law? We talked about the first commandment. You avoided that. You want, to, you want to justify yourself by the law? Which one of these three? Which one of these three do you think was, the, was thy neighbor? Was it the priest? Was it, the, was it your fellow priest? The ones you look up to? The ones you love? Was it them? No, it wasn't, was it? It was the, it was the one you despised. It was the Samaritan. He was the one as it were. You see, he's teaching him. He's using the law as a means to teach him, as it were, to point him to the Savior. Two great themes in, in, in today's parable, uh, dear beloved, <clears throat> the way of salvation, the way of salvation in Christ is so very clear here, and how Christ's disciples ought to live you see, friends, we are in the same shoes as that certain lawyer by nature. I hope we realize that. I hope we're not saying within ourselves, that's not me. I hope we're saying that's me by nature. I'm like him. That's how we are by nature. There's none righteous, no, not one, says the scripture. All, has, all have gone astray. All have become like an unclean thing. 
All of us are like this uncertain, this lawyer, and all of us are like this man as well, the certain man. You can be an outstanding citizen, you can be religious, you can be an incredibly nice person, you can be all these things, yet you can still be outside of Christ's kingdom. It's possible. I've met many of them. It is obvious to me that the certain man and the certain lawyer are us by nature. It is us by nature. I just want to take you back to verse 30 once again. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves and stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. You see, friends, all of us start off in life going downhill, don't we? That's us by nature. We go downhill by nature. We leave the holy city, as, as it were. The, the, the Lord says the kingdom of heaven is like little children, isn't he? Well, yes, we're born in sin, but I believe little children, if they die, it's a great comfort to those who lose little children in the womb and so on. I know of that experience. They go to, to, to glory, but they don't have guile like we. When, when you get older, sin manifests itself, doesn't it? And we start going downhill, spiritually speaking, and we see that oasis, Jericho, we see the palm trees and the rivers, and we give our hearts to that. And we, and we put our trust in that. Oh, that's going to be my security, my ambition, my, and I put my, my hope and my, and, and, and my trust upon these things. All is looking good. And yes, I may be a, a religious person. I'm going to church. I'm, I'm uh, doing these things, as it were. But there's a downhill trend, isn't it? And the lawyer, deep down, really knew that. There's a downhill trend. And the same is true. The law and sin strips us, does it not? Well, it ought to, anyway. It strips us of our, well, first of all, it robs us. It robs us. It ought to strip us, when we look into it, it ought to strip us of our own self-righteousness. It robs us of our possessions, as it were. We see ourselves as poor beggars, as it were. We, we think, well, if I, if I bring all these things to, to, to God, if I have all these possessions, if I have all these duties, as when I bring them to God, well, what will that account on the day of judgment? I may have great riches and hoards, possessions, but that's not going to count a penny. And so it's designed here to strip us of our own self-righteousness, to take those possessions away and say, that's you and that's me, as it were, by nature strips of us our self-righteousness. We must not put our, our hope upon our possessions and say, because I've got a nice house, because I've got a nice, nice mortgage, because I've got outward things, God has blessed me. A lot of Christians do that. Don't rest upon those things, friends. I'm telling you now. And, and we Christians can be guilty of that. True, God. You can have big house, you can have money, you can, and you can think, you think, because I've got these things, God's blessing me. Big mistake. Big, big mistake. The ground is cursed. Those things are going to burn one day. And whose things will those things belong to in the end? Like the rich man. Remember, he built those bigger barns. They're not going to last. I'm not saying that we should come to church in rags. 
<laughs> I'm not saying that we should, but I'm saying, but don't give your heart to those, those things. Rest alone in Christ's righteousness and his blood and what he did on the cross, not what you did. Not, don't rest upon your performance. That's what the lawyer was doing. And so the law, when properly applied, strips us of our own self-righteousness. It takes away our possessions. We see it as, well, I'm still poor. I can be like Job. I can have all these things. But I'm, Job, I'm, you can say, I'm vile. Vile in our sight, as, as it were. Wounded. I'm in need of healing. I'm in need of cleansing, as it were. It must have this effect. And our text says, And by chance there came down a certain priest. And when he saw him, he passed by. You see, the problem, I think, with many people, like the, the lawyer... And like many people who perhaps start off and they, they think, like, I can't remember, what's that person? Something Joshua. Someone remind me of this massive charismatic preacher in Nigeria, J.B. Joshua or something, something or other. He's been on the news recently. J.D. Jakes. J.D. Jakes, yeah. Yeah, he had a massive ministry spread all over in Nigeria, across Africa, in Israel, in Mexico. He flew in a private jet, all leathered and kitted out. He had mansions. He had, he had an entourage of cars and police cars. He was, he was greeted by presidents, by heads of states. He was headed by all these things. And tens of thousands of people across the world flocked. He had his own TV channel called Emmanuel something or, or, the, or, or other. And what was it in the end? He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. He was abusing girls. Over 20 years, taking them in. I think he locked some away for 10 years. A wicked, evil man. But people thought he was a miracle worker. Wicked. You see, don't put your trust in externals, friends. Don't do it. You see, this, the priest, the priest, the priest, you see, friends, when he, when, he, when he saw that priest, he thought, here's my salvation. But the priest is just a bigger hypocrite and sinner as he was, as it were. He is in need of healing as well. You see, friends? And that's the problem sometimes when we when people, when, and this happens with seekers in particular. We think of Luther. Think of Luther's ministry. When, when seekers come, they often, they, they try, like Calvin, they try to get right with God. There's an earnest seeking there. And they get to a point where they're, they're thinking, hold on a second. This is not bringing any lasting comfort or assurance here. As it were, they trust in man and, 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 and the law and these things. And it's not bringing me assurance. And... And we see the futility of salvation outside of Christ. Same with the Levites, as it were. And we get down to verse 30, 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion upon him. The Lord Jesus Christ is the good Samaritan. <laughs> you have people that say, 
You would say he's not a type and all these thing, things. He doesn't point, he doesn't point to nonsense. <laughs> it says this is all about Christ's disciples. Yes, it is about, shows us, but also it points to Christ so clearly and the way of salvation. It points to the Savior. That what he said, he did. What he promised he would do, he did. We cannot do that. We cannot do that. Only Christ can save poor, needy sinners like us. He had compassion. He did not only feel for us, he did it. God sent his son into the world to be our savior, to take our hell, to take our sin, to put us on the horse, as it were, on the the donkey, to take us all the way, not half the way, to pay that debt, as it were, that great debt of sin which we cannot pay. To, to pour out his blood. To cleanse us of all of our sin. To pour in the oil of the Holy Spirit. So that we could be born again. He did that for us poor needy sinners. To reconcile us to God. He did not only feel bad. He showed it. In sending his only precious, precious son to be our saviour. As verse 34 and 35 says, And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him. At great cost did God give his son for us. I never forget that. It cost him everything, friends. And he, he, he did it willingly. It cost him everything. His blood. People spat at him, mocked him. As it were, we didn't want him. We despised him. Remember that. That is us by nature. We did not want Christ, that man, to reign over us. We were like the Jew. We were like we were prejudiced, out of sight, out of mind. But he came after us, as it were. He came after us, the good shepherd, as it were. Bound up those wounds. He healed us. Healed us with his precious blood. And by his spirit. And he put us on the beast as it were. Took us to the inn. He took us to a a solid, independent, reformed, Bible-believing Baptist church. It's just a little joke there. He didn't do that. He took us. (laughs) He took us all the way home to glory. Took us all the way. He takes us all the way home to glory. He does that. And that's why we depend Upon him. We depend upon his strength. It says that on the morrow when he departed. And think of that. Think about that. At the night, night time. There are the brothers and sisters here we know today are not here with us. They're suffering from various different sicknesses. The Lord, even to your hoary heads I will be with you. Yes, even in those night seasons. When you're laid low and you're sick. And when you're suffering through pain, maybe even through falls. You know, I have times where I've backslidden and fallen and you're in the, and you're in the anguish of, of that state. Even in those dark times, in those weary nights, as it were. In those painful nights of sickness and pain and doubt and fear. Yes, even in those times, the Lord is right by, there by you. The Good Samaritan is there tending to you, loving you, caring for you. As we're at great cost, he did that out of love for you and I. He takes us all the way, as it were, every way 
When he saves, he does so. He keeps to the end. Beloved, what a great comfort, isn't it? That we have such a saviour. It's a saviour. And that's who we put our trust and our rest in this Lord's day morning, dear friends. And of course, he not only heals us by his precious blood and righteousness, he pays that full debt, doesn't he, of our sin. Nothing, not one penny of salvation is, is withholden. Like that Samaritan, he pays the full and complete, not only past sins, that's to the end, but he pays future debt as well. Every single sin that you ever commit in the future, Christ paid for that as well. Every affection, everything that you know which is right and you haven't done, Christ paid for that as well. Everything, friends. He paid it. What a saviour we have. What, what love, friends, that should motivate us every day to live more for him. Well, in closing, true compassion goes beyond feelings, friends. It goes, it demonstra- it's demonstrated in the Saviour. And Christ is saying, really, to his disciples, well, this is, how, this is how you should act, out of love. You should be like this. You should do this. And remember, and this is a point of evangelism, that he took the man out of that situation. He didn't keep him there, he took him out. That's the point and purpose of evangelism, to take someone out of that and to get them to the end, as it were. Get them, get them, disciple them, as it were. Well, he shows it, doesn't he? The Lord has compassion upon those who are stripped of self-righteousness and they see their need of Christ. And he he is a loving he, he is a loving heavenly father to such dear friends you know from, just don't want to get, don't get too much in closing but I never really had a father from an earthly perspective uh, that was a, a spiritual mentor for me I thank him for looking after us for a certain extent but he left the home when I was 14 years old and he was never there really for me as a spiritual he was always away doing his own thing he was a very restless man and uh, I know that's true of many here, actually, as well. They never had a spiritual father, as it were, someone to depend upon. But Christ, dear friends, with the Lord God, as he is our father. He, he is my father now. I cry to him every day, and I know of his help, and I know of his blessing, and I know of his strength to carry on by faith. And it's true of every believer here. You know him as a a heavenly father that loves and cares for you. What father would leave his son half dead in a ditch, as it were, out of of inconvenience? None, right? Well, neither neither does our heavenly father do that with us. He loves us, he's given his son for us, and he brings us all the way home to glory. Well, God's compassion for us took Jesus to the cross, friends for our sins, to die in our place. He didn't just feel bad for us, he came to heal us and redeem us. Amen. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com That's grace2seekers 
at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.com. Thank you.